You're listening to Bible Truth Feed, a podcast by Christadelphianvideo.org for Christadelphians and all those seeking the truth about the Bible message. Join us now as we present our latest episode. The promises to Noah, are they still relevant today? Hello and welcome to Bible Truth Feeder podcast by Christadelphian Video. Bible accounts of historical events are written for our instruction. The Lord Jesus Christ referred to the flood and the ark as a lesson and a warning. So they must have really happened, regardless of what the world teaches today. And these things are recorded for us not only for today, but also for the future too. promises to Noah and do they have any relevance for us uh, living sometime in the future because the story of Noah is a tragedy isn't it for those of us who are familiar with it there is a cataclysmic event that kills most people living on the earth so we're going to be having a look at the background of the flood why is it that it happened and then afterwards we're going to be having a look at Noah's ark Why is it that that the ark was created? What purpose did it have? What were the promises that that Noah made, uh, God made to Noah to save him from this cataclysmic event? Then we're going to be having a look at the Lord Jesus Christ, because the Lord Jesus Christ believed that the flood happened. It's very important that when we look at the Genesis record, that we understand that these things are not simply stories. Uh, with deep meanings, but they are actual physical events that did take place. And then we're going to draw uh, some key lessons for us, thinking about the promise made to Noah and how it's relevant uh, for all of us today. So what's the background then to to the flood? Well, we're going to turn to Genesis chapter 6. But before that, we're just going to refresh our memories from Romans chapter uh, 15, verse 4. Because this is a key emphasis, and I've noticed that it's coming up on my screen, and it's taken a little bit of time to come up on the Zoom screen, so apologies for that. And Romans says, for whatsoever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we may have hope. So Romans, and this is a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote uh, in the first century, was explaining that all scripture is given for our instruction. So it's important that we don't pick and choose. His letter to the young man Timothy says much the same thing uh, in 2 Timothy 3 and verse 16. So the flood is relevant, and we've got to have a look to see what God's message uh, is for us. So what's happened then? In Genesis chapter 6, we know, don't we, that God created the heavens and the earth, and it was Good, very good, the Bible says. Um, We know, though, sadly, in the Genesis record that Adam and Eve disobeyed the commandment of God. And because of that disobedience, sin entered into the world. And so death became a consequence, a direct result uh, of sin. Now, when we come forward to Genesis chapter 6, it seems that there has been a significant degeneration um, in the morals and the behaviors of people living on the earth. 
And if we have a look at Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, we read some incredible words. Then the Lord saw the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. Picking up the, the idea of the heart there. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth. Because I'm sorry that I have made them. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it's a very sad thing when we read through this chapter, because in verse four, we, we, we read, don't we, that they were focused on becoming mighty men, men of renown. There was a focus at this time on self, almost a myopic focus that they didn't care about each other. They cared about only about themselves. And it says that they were evil continually. And so catastrophic was, was, their, was their moral uh, decline that God says, there's nothing I can do to save them. That's a terrible thing, isn't it? To read that the creator of man, something that was very good, has reached this low point. And he goes on to say, verse 11, the earth was corrupt before God and the earth was filled with violence. And God looked upon the earth and behold, it was corrupt for all corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted his way uh, on the earth. So this, this is a dreadful time that Noah's living in. There's violence all over the place. There's people doing their own things, only caring about themselves. And this, of course, makes God sorry for what has happened. And interestingly, you can see, and it's a recurring theme in the Bible, that God works with our hearts. He wants to make us followers of him, the good and the right way. But here, there's a contrast between their hearts are only evil continually. And then God is sorrowful in his heart. So it's, it's a sad introduction, isn't it, to, to our story. But there is hope with all of these stories. There's always hope that the faithful will always be saved. And that's a very important spiritual principle. So we move on and we've had a look at um, verses 11 to 13. Verse 13, and God said unto Noah, the end of all flesh is come before me for the earth is filled with violence through them and behold, I will destroy them with the earth. So God is saying to Noah that I'm going to actually start a new creation, Noah, through you. I can't work with these people. I'm so sorry that this has happened. But they cannot be saved because they refuse to have me in their heart. And it does show, doesn't it, that there are times that if we habitually turn away from God, it's very difficult for him to save us. We've got to repent and turn back to him. So. We have a stark contrast, though, with, with Noah, don't we? Because Noah, it says in verse 9, was a just man. Verse 8, he found grace in the eyes of God. He was perfect. He was full and complete. He walked with God. So you see the contrast. He had God in his heart. He devised good things for those around him. 
he cared for others. He manifested pure religion in looking after those around him and his house. And because of that, God says, I will save you because of your obedience. So what, how is it that God is going to save Noah from this cataclysmic event? Well, we know, don't we, that the story of Noah is, is that one of, the, of a worldwide flood. A flood is going to come down and it's going to cleanse, if you like, the earth. The earth is going to be washed clean and there's going to be a fresh start. But how is Noah going to survive? Well, verse 18 of Genesis 6. But with you, Noah, will I establish my covenant. And thou shalt come into the ark, thou and thy sons and your wife and your sons' wives with you. And so from verse 14 onwards, the Lord God explains to Noah how he's going to save him through the creation of this ark. And what did Noah do? Well, true to the verses that we've read, he did what God commanded him. He didn't say, well, I don't see any water at the moment, God, and this is going to take me a long time. There's going to be a lot of effort in this. Are you sure we need something that big? He did everything that God had commanded him. And that's something that is a reoccurring theme for this man, Noah. He put his trust uh, in his God. Now, let's have a quick look at, at Noah's Ark, because it's quite um, an interesting construction. Uh, if we're interested in constructions, well, some of us may think of Noah's Ark in this way. And you might think, well, that's what it's been portrayed like, and you've got to watch out for the naughty beavers. As you can see, they're, they're putting a bit of a hole um, in the Ark and the Noah's constellation. But is that really what the Ark was like? Well, no, it wasn't, because the ark was a very significant structure in terms of its size. Um, it's going to take a while to come up on this room, it seems, but those in the hall can see it, hopefully. <clears throat> Noah's ark was some 450 feet long. So if we, we know a 747, most of us have, uh, have flown on planes. That 747 is one of the biggest planes. And it's almost twice as big as the 747. If you look at the Titanic, a huge vessel. It's not that much shorter than that. So it's a significant structure because it had a significant purpose, didn't it? That it was supposed to save Noah and his family and the animals. Now, interestingly, as we're thinking about the Titanic, uh, this man, um, he's not on the screen yet, uh, Robert Barnard, he found the Titanic and he's fascinated by finding the ark. He doesn't think necessarily that he'll find it. It's made of wood, so it probably won't be preserved. But through his work, he has found evidence of a significant flood through the shorelines that he's identified. It's interesting, isn't it, that, that some of these people who are not necessarily Bible believers can support this record of this worldwide flood to find that of the Titanic. But come back to Noah's Ark. That's the size of Noah's Ark in terms of, it, of its length. How tall is it? Well, if you take a four-story house, that's pretty much the height of the Ark. It's a significant structure. And thanks to Mike Mavasiki for some of these uh, animations that will come up on the screen in a couple of moments. <clears throat> the mass of it was 80,000 kilograms. So a huge structure. 
And it's going to take some time for this machine to catch up, so apologies for that. But the animations, I'm sure, are worth it when, when they come. And the length of it is the length of seven double-decker buses. And I think they're going to come through in a couple of moments. So it, it's quite a significant structure. And you can go and see uh, Noah's Ark in America. Now, the interesting thing about the design of the Ark, some of you may have heard of this, there is the, <clears throat> the principle in large shipbuilding of a ratio of one to six. And the Ark follows that ratio. It's one wide and six long, and that's exactly how they design big ships even today. Incredible when we think about it, because man, with all of his ingenuity, has decided that's the best for stability uh, in order to steer the ship. But actually, because the ark was designed by God, it had those characteristics that they could be controlled uh, by Noah in the flood. It's an interesting um, fact outside the Bible to support the incredible construction that this ark was. And as I mentioned, the ark has been rebuilt in America. You can go to uh, Williamstown in, in America, in Kentucky, and you can walk around it. It's like a massive museum, and you can see how significant a structure it really was. And those four stories um, as you walk around the ark. An incredible vessel. They, they've called this ark uh, in America the eighth wonder of the world. It took them a long time to build it. Um, and you can go and see it uh, today. So what about the Lord Jesus Christ and his references to the flood? What does the Lord Jesus Christ talk about when he mentions the flood? <clears throat> well, we know that Noah is in the genealogy of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we know that Noah uh, was a real man. But when the Lord Jesus Christ was talking about the time of the end, that is the time that he's going to establish God's kingdom in the earth. He talks about how the earth is going to be at that time. And he says in Matthew 27, verse 36, but of that day and hour, no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, but my father only. But as the days of Noah were, so also will the coming of the son of man be. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark, we don't know until the flood came and took them all away. So also the coming of the Son of Man be. So we have these incredible words of the Lord Jesus Christ telling us that history is going to repeat itself. He says, when you see these things happening, and of course associated with that is the violence in the world, people eating and drinking, focusing only on themselves, they're marrying and they're giving in marriage, the world's full of violence, that, says the Lord Jesus Christ, is the same conditions that will be in the earth when I will return to establish God's kingdom. So as Bible students, we can see that the Lord Jesus Christ believed <coughs> that the flood took place, that the earth was at one point full of violence with a focus of them or themselves. And he said, that's going to happen again until I come to establish God's kingdom. So the key principle then is that the days of Noah are a shadowing 
of the days before the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember that. That's why it's important to read the Old Testament, to understand what's happening in Genesis, because it will help us understand when is the Lord Jesus Christ going to come? And what is a picture of today? Well, casual glance at the internet, you'll see there that the number of marriages is in decline, but the number of divorces is going up and they're coming closer and closer together. So there's a lot of marrying and particularly divorce, sadly, in the, in the earth. What about religion? Let's look at the Christian religion. It's coming through a little small on the screen, but that graph shows that the only continent where Christianity is increasing is Africa. Everywhere else, it's in decline. And it's interesting, isn't it, that the focus of attention is not on God. It's a focus on self. And then the Global Peace Index demonstrating that the earth is an incredibly violent place. And it is full with violence, despite the best efforts of man through the United Nations and, and other bodies to try to create international peace and security. So these are the kind of things that Bible students look for in order to be prepared for the return of the Lord Jesus Christ. <clears throat> so what are the key lessons then for us that we can draw through a quick look at the story of, of Noah? Well, one of the things I'd like to pick up is this idea in Genesis chapter 7 and verse 16. So they're all going in <clears throat> to the ark. The animals have gone in. They're there safe in, the, in this construction that God has asked Noah to make. And then he says in verse, verse 16, and they went in. And went in male and female of all flesh, as God has commanded him, and the Lord shut him in. So it's interesting that we've been told here that Noah didn't close the door of the ark. God closed it. It was God who told Noah to build the ark. If you're in the ark, you're saved. And God closed the door and protected them from destruction. And of course, that is a type, as we call it, of the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have in, in John's Gospel, John chapter 10, verse 9, the Lord Jesus Christ says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he shall be saved. Incredibly, the, the lesson of the ark is also teaching us the lesson of how we too can be saved from the things that are going to come on the earth. We can be saved through the Lord Jesus Christ. Interestingly, in Peter, we have the Apostle Peter writing uh, his letter, and he's quoting what's happened at the time of Noah. And he says, eight souls were saved by water. And then he goes on to describe that this was a foreshadowing. This was a precursor to baptism that through the flood Noah and his family were baptized they were cleansed and they were saved from death and that's exactly what baptism is all about isn't it? 
Baptism, that very simple symbol that the Bible talks about, one verse, Mark 16, 16, he that believes and is baptized shall be saved. It's so important that we understand what God wants us to understand from his word, but that thinking becomes action, that we demonstrate who we are through the waters of baptism, as Noah did by building the ark. It's clear, isn't it, that many people would have probably said to him, Noah, why are you building the ark? And no doubt he would have told them. He would have tried to preach to them and say, look, there's something coming. If you join me in the ark, if you put your trust in God, you can be saved. But no, him took, no one took him up on that offer. And now this offer is open to all of us. We too can enter into the frequency of the great inclusion of God through the door, the Lord Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection, we can all have hope. As long as we are willing to believe and to be baptized, we can be saved. And so another key principle is, is that the waters of baptism being saved by them. And that cleanses us from sin. We know, don't we, that baptism is a spiritual death and resurrection. We go down into the waters as the old man, the old person, and we come up resurrected. Our, our sins left behind to newness of life. And as the flood cleansed the earth from all the evil that was in it, so the waters of baptism cleanse us from sin and we become associated with the death and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a wonderful hope for all of us. And so the days of Noah are a shadow of the days before the return of Christ. Can we see those things in the earth these days? There's many other prophecies that we could turn to, to be reminded of that the soon return of the Lord is near. Perhaps just turn back to the promises that were made to Noah that we read in Genesis chapter 9 because there <clears throat> we have the establishment of this covenant and it's the covenant of the rainbow God's simple token so beautiful that he will not flood the earth to destroy the earth anymore and what does he say verse 11 and I will establish my covenant or my solemn promise with you Noah Neither shall any flesh be cut off any more by the waters of a flood, and neither shall there any more be a flood to destroy the earth. So there's not going to be this worldwide cataclysmic event to kill and to cleanse the earth again. Verse 12, this is the token of the covenant which I make between me and you, and every creature that is with you, that's every person that's with Noah, that's like Noah, for perpetual generations. Now you're doing promises. I'm a study in promises. And this is one of these promises. That we can all be part of Noah's family. We can all be saved. Through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. By being in the ark. Of the ecclesial house. And God says. You need not fear. If you're in the house. For nothing shall be able to stand to make us fall. And so we've thought, haven't we, this morning, 
briefly about the flood, why it was necessary, but we've also talked about how that there's always a means of hope for those who put their trust in God. And in Isaiah chapter 2 and verse 2, we see an opposite effect of what the world was like before the flood. This is what the world is going to be like after the establishment of God's kingdom. And it shall come to pass in the latter days that the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established on the top of the mountains and shall be exalted above the hills. It's a bit like Mount Ararat, where Noah's Ark rested. God's house is going to be exalted in Jerusalem. And it should be exalted above the hills and all nations shall flow to it. And many people shall come and say, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of the God of Jacob. And he will teach us of his ways and we will walk in his paths. So there's an opposite effect. There's people were ignoring Noah and carrying on with their dreadful activities. In the kingdom, people will want to go to God's house from all over the world and put God in their hearts and learn of his ways. And will there be violence? Well, Isaiah 2 goes on to say, they shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. So the weapons of war will be turned into weapons of agriculture. And there shall be no more inequality. There be, won't be rich or poor. There won't be those who are persecuted. There will be a time of great peace. And the Bible finishes off with these words said by the Lord Jesus Christ. Surely I come quickly. Amen. Even so, come, Lord Jesus, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. So may our Heavenly Father continue to be with all of us as we read from his word, that we see the marvelous hope that's open to everybody through the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And may it be that we grab it with both hands and become part of that great ecclesial house, the kingdom forever in Jerusalem. Thank you very much. Thank you for joining us. We hope you found the episode helpful. Don't forget, most of these episodes are also available as videos on our video channel, cdvideo.org. So head over and take a look. If you have any comments or questions or suggestions, please get in touch or leave us a voice message. We love to hear your feedback. You can email us at bt f at cdvideo.org. If you enjoyed the episode, then please share it with others. Until next time, may God bless you in your studies and your walk towards God's kingdom. Amen.